Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Welcome to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast, where you'll get tips, tools, and training for new and aspiring copywriters, plus a few things even the established pros will want to know. My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 15 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. The Filthy Rich Writer team and I are here to teach you everything we've learned in our years in the industry so that you can craft a successful copywriting career of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Hey, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, so today we are going to answer a question that comes up a lot as people are building their portfolio sites. And that question is, should I put prices on my portfolio site? Kate, quick answer. No. (laughs) End of episode. (laughs) I feel like we've done that a couple of times and every time we do, I find it so amusing. (laughs) Um, but I don't know if anyone else does, but nobody <laughs> else does, but we do. Um, obviously, of course, though, it's a little bit more nuanced yes, than just don't put prices on your website. Um, and there are certainly, uh, you know, quote unquote gurus out there who will say that you have to, you have to put prices on your website. Um, but there are a couple of very good reasons why not to. Mm-hmm. Um Kate, what's your your first big reason not to put prices on the website? Ooh, I don't know if any are less equal than the other, but the first one that comes to mind is that both on the lower high end for clients. So for example, if you put a price on your site, and even if you put ranges, because I know people are like, well, I want to put ranges. I want to give people a sense of, of what it is. You're anchoring them to that price point. And so if you say, you know, website starting at 1000 to 5000 maybe it's a 35-page website that's going to cost 13000 or, you know, quite frankly, more. So by saying one to five, all of a sudden, now the client thinks like, oh, well, why are you charging now, you know, double that? Or by the same token, maybe they see that and they're like, ooh, that's really low for what our need is. Why would we go with this person? Obviously, they're way too cheap. There's a lot of assumptions that people can make just from a price. And then on the other end, you might have a client that might be a really great client to work with. It might be a really easy, fascinating project. And they might see 1000 to 5000 and think, ooh, that's 
too high. But maybe all they needed was an about page that you could knock out in a few hours and still charge, you know, maybe 500 or 750 or whatever it is. I'm just throwing prices out here. These are based in nothing. So please do not take any of them as in any way accurate. But the point being that you might then lose a lot of clients, potential clients that maybe you want to work with. Maybe you would flex your rates a little bit lower because you were really passionate about what the client stood for or because you wanted to break into their industry and wanted a piece in your portfolio that represented that industry or whatever it is. It just takes the option out of your hands. It takes any Mm -hmm. negotiation off the table. And so you're just automatically kind of accepting and rejecting clients just based on a price point. And that's, in my opinion, it's not going to work out very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't even say opinion in my experience in my, you know, taking clients and being flexible with how I work my rates has opened me up to so many opportunities that I might otherwise have closed myself off to. Mm-hmm. Well, and even if he's talking about anchoring, even if you say from a thousand and you're like, well, then if it's more then it's, first of all, you still have the problem with the clients that see that thousand for a smaller project. And you, you wouldn't normally, you wouldn't charge a thousand for that project, but you're never going to get a chance to talk to that client mm-hmm. because they're going to see a thousand and leave. Or two, you're anchoring that price in, in a client's brain. So when you talk to a client and you propose, you know, a website for, for, again, we're just picking numbers out of thin air, but mm-hmm. for 3000, they're going to go, well, what do we have to take away to get down to 1,000? Because mm-hmm. I saw 1,000 on your site. That's what I'm comfortable with. What do we have? How can we change that? And you're like, there's nothing I could do to make this a $1,000 project. But they're going to have that price in their head. And the thing is, is that every, especially when you're getting started or at least several years, and quite frankly, it's still how I base most of my rates, your rate should be based on to a large degree, how long it's going to take you to do something and including Mm -hmm. writing and editing and concepting and meetings and all that kind of stuff. But so to to choose a price is, is so completely arbitrary and to say, well, this is the minimum I'll do it for. To Kate's point, if it's, what if it's a much smaller project and why would you say, I'm absolutely not going to do this for 500 when it would turn out that 500 would actually be a really great rate for a project of that size. Mm -hmm. Every project is completely different. And for you to, to choose rates before you even explored a project is really, really putting yourself in a difficult position. Um, and I see a lot from students sometimes, again, because they see it on other copywriter sites, other guru sites of, you know, in forms and saying, check here, like my investment, my budget is one to 5,000, five to 10,000. Um, or they put lines of copy on their site that say, you know, only for serious entrepreneurs that are willing to invest at least 5k. What a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. From the client side, like, my project is just as important as anybody else's project. And again, if my project is smaller, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend $5,000, but it could be, but as the copywriter, it could be, it could be such a great and fun 
opportunity that could, you know, maybe the initial project is small, but then maybe over your course of the the course of the relationship with the client, you end up getting, you know, over several years, mm-hmm. like $30,000 worth of work. Exactly. But because you didn't take this original 500 or, or $200 project, you never build that relationship with that client. And it doesn't have the point, it doesn't have the opportunity to progress over the years to be a really, really fun partnership and a, a lucrative partnership and beneficial for both of you. When, oh, so good. No, to build off that, you know, so often a lot of contracts that are out in the world are, you know, contract to full time because people want to work with you and see how you work. So if you're, you know, similarly as a freelancer, not willing to take on a project, then to Nikki's point, you might be missing out on tens of thousands of dollars of work over time because someone wants to find the right fit and they're not going to throw necessarily their biggest project at you right out the gate when they've never worked with you before. So much opportunity Mm -hmm. comes from these relationships that we build with our clients and treating them as, you know, partners and not just uh, looking at them as cash cows to squeeze the biggest dollar amount project that you possibly can out of them. Exactly. You know, we we say that you, when you're on the phone with a with a client, you're talking through the project. You don't quote the you don't once you once you get an understanding of what the project is, you ask a lot of questions. You don't give them a quote on the phone. Why? Because you need a little bit of time to think about it. You you need to time to to look at your own schedule, make sure you can do it, but also figure out how long it's going to take you to write it, how long it's going to take you to add all these important pieces. So you don't quote on the phone. So <laughs> Why would you quote even before the phone call? Essentially, mm-hmm. when you're putting a price on the website, you're quoting before the phone call. And how could you possibly know what a project is going to entail? Even if you say, like, I will do one web page for this price. The the projects, it could be a really complicated homepage. It could mm-hmm. be a super simple about page. It could be the the scope in any kind of project is so broad that you couldn't possibly begin to to quote a price before knowing what the project is and before knowing and even like sales pages some sales pages are going to be mammoth mm-hmm. and are going to require a ton of work and you should charge a high rate for them some sales pages are going to be relatively small and so to first of all you can't possibly quote a price before you even know what the project entails. Mm -hmm. And again, by putting a price on your website, that's what you're doing. Even if you say it's a range, you're still quoting a price. And second of all, I forget what my second point was going to be, (laughs) but I'm very passionate about about the first point. The first point is repeated for the second point. (laughs) Yes. Double down on that first point. Um, I think one of the arguments that I see all the time, though, is that, you know, by putting these ranges, I am finding my ideal client and I'm turning, yeah, turning. I love that, the idea. <laughs> if you're not watching and listening, go on YouTube and check out Nikki's reactions. Yeah, i rolling my eyes at that one. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure you attract your ideal client and making sure you're turning away people that apparently aren't your ideal client. But how the heck to use polite language, do you know who your ideal client is without talking with them? That is one factor. Price and finances are Mm -hmm. one factor. You can have such great relationships and such great work with clients, regardless of what price point they come in at. And so if you are starting to look Mm -hmm. at things just as an opportunity to get the highest dollar amount project possible, 
you're turning away from the core of what you should be doing, which is serving your clients and being a service provider. It becomes a very different mm -hmm. way of running your business. And, and quite frankly, uh, to me, how stressful to constantly be chasing these big ticket projects versus having potentially consistent work with still maybe a big ticket project here and there, or with a big ticket mm -hmm. project with clients you've worked on, little ticket projects with. But why? Little ticket. Yeah. 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 That idea of like, well, only if you can, if you can spend a thousand dollars or above, you're my ideal client. Like, Ooh, Ooh, what a yeah. crummy vibe. That's just gross. That's right. Like it's absolutely, you should get paid for, what for you your yeah. services. Yeah. But for you to say that the only thing that makes a client an ideal client or the first thing that makes mm -hmm. someone an ideal client is that they're willing to spend a thousand dollars or more. It's just the vibe is all wrong. And it's, it goes back to making it all about you. Mm -hmm. And when you're a service provider, it's not all about you. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. If the if a project is a thousand dollar project, then yes, yeah, charge a thousand dollars, ten grand, charge ten, ten grand. grand, exactly. Yeah. But for you to start off by saying, "I don't want to work with you if you're not willing to spend," they don't even know you yet. Yeah. They don't even know you. Why so, should I give you a thousand dollars of my money? Yeah, you know, how it goes both ways, right? It's not, it's, it's not about you. It's about what you can do for your target audience. And yes, you are looking to find the, the right fit, but to, to, you find that fit when you talk to a client and you figure out whether the project is something that is good for you to do, whether the project is something that they need, whether the project is something that you want to work on, whether the project, there's so many different parameters that make a, that affect a project and make a, a client an ideal client. Mm -hmm. and, and there's so many times too, that you don't even know that a client is a quote unquote ideal client till you're in the middle of the project. And you're like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this. This is super fun. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought I would, but I'm I wouldn't have thought I would like it as much as I do, but I'm loving this. I think if that if this, you have to spend it this month or you have to spend at least this much. Uh, and I attest that I'm willing to spend at least this much. That vibe you're putting out is exactly what you're going to get back. And that mm -hmm. is not what you want to get back at all. Yeah. I feel like we're chanting a little bit of John F. Kennedy here with ask not what you can do for your, <laughs> or ask not what your client can do for you, but what you can do for your client. <laughs> Yeah, which absolutely really though is 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 how it should always be. They're paying mm -hmm. you to be a service provider. They're not just paying you to produce mm -hmm. something that you're putting an arbitrary value on without knowing yeah. what it is that they need, what their goals are, what you know, if it needs to be a super crazy long sales page or quite frankly if it doesn't. And this this fits into packages. You know, it's very tempting to put packages on your site of Here's, you know, I'll write one web page and a couple of emails as, you know, a basic package. And then here's my other package. You can package things up once you know what the client needs and maybe, you know, offer different price points based on potentially if you feel like, ooh, they need a lot, but, you know, maybe I want to offer them something else if they're not ready to, to go with the full package or whatever it is, but still doing that tailored to your specific clients and what they need to throw up random packages on their site. Every client's going to have slightly different needs. And so if they choose something, and so if you do go that route, you know, of having packages and they choose something, being the service provider and knowing enough to say, Hey, actually 
I think what you need is actually maybe less than what they said they wanted. And maybe that puts you out of a little bit of work, but it's going to build a lot more trust if you are saying, hey, objectively, here's what I really recommend and what I think you need. That's part of your job too. Part of your job is saying, hey, actually, this is the better approach. Um, I did it once, I'm sure done it a few times throughout my career, but one in particular that I remember where a client said, we need this email and we need to send about this and blah, blah, blah. And I forget the context, but it was actually like, hey, do you actually need to send this email or was this other approach something better for this project? And they were like, oh yeah, actually that's what we need to go do. And so I didn't end up writing the email and so I lost that project. But guess what? I continued working with that client for years. And so I didn't see it as, Ooh, And they knew I'm... they could trust you. Exactly, exactly. They knew I wasn't just trying to, you know, get as much work as possible and just say, yes, yes, yes. And and become a production factory for them. And they tossed what they needed and I just did it. It was having that partnership and being able to say, yeah, it's okay that I don't get this, you know, 50, 100, however much the the email was going to be. It was, Hey, I know I'm going to get more work with them because we have this relationship and it's, it's positive. It's not just based on money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Trying to force fit a client, a potential client into a price before you know about the, pro- the the whatever the project is or trying to force fit them into a a a template of oh, I don't know what your project is, but you'll get a landing page, you'll mm-hmm. get three emails and you get when I have never seen a copywriter or really many service providers who have who have project uh, packages that they get they deliver those exact packages. It all if they try to do that, it ends up badly because every client is different and every project is different. And your focus again should not be on the ease of you selling packages because it turns out to be a lot of bigger of a pain in the rear end in the long run. Uh, but it should not be focused on you selling packages. It should be focused on what does the client actually need. Mm-hmm. And I want to remind everyone too, and frankly, remind myself sometimes that it's really easy to look successful on the internet, mm-hmm. really easy to look successful on Instagram and to say, oh, I offer these packages and I only work with clients who do this and I only work with clients and my price for a homepage is 10000 and my this... They can say that until they're blue in the face, but you don't know if anybody's actually booking that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe more importantly, you don't know if anybody is actually then working with them again. Mm-hmm. If they paid whatever for a project, or if they bought a they they purchased a um, purchased a package, and then afterwards they went, "This isn't what I needed after all," or "I paid too much for this," or or what have you, and then they don't work with them again, and then they also tell all their friends not to work with this copywriter or this service provider. It's really easy to to make it look like you're able to do anything on the internet, but you don't know if people are actually hiring them and or rehiring them. And that's the key. That's where business is built is in those relationships and being that trusted service provider. Yeah. And it's so easy. I know people do it in the group all the time where like, oh, I saw this copywriter and here's their rates on their site. Am I wildly undercharging? And this is, this is the going rate for this. 
and to step back and say, again, everything Nikki just said, you have no idea about anything. But also, you know, I've seen students in the U.S. pulling rates from someone who's in the U.K. or Australia. And then even within the U.S., the rates are going to vary wildly. But also you have no idea how much experience that person has. Yeah, maybe they have a really high ticket and you should charge your worth. Absolutely. We always say that. But if they have 10, 15 years of really great experience or, you know, and not that years make all the difference, but to some extent, they're going to have more practice and inevitably maybe no more tools and taxes from working with various clients. Mm -hmm. They might have a very different rate based on experience and where they are and what clients they've had and knowing what clients are willing to pay them for certain things. But again, that whole rate sheet you're seeing could be complete BS. So Mm -hmm don't even look at it as a, a grounding point because it's not it's not valid data. It's not data that's grounded in anything in your reality. So yes, is it much easier to be like, oh okay, this is this is a starting point. Um, you know, some bigger copy sites have some rate sheets too, which are complete bogus BS. Calculators we've already talked about, complete BS, but bears repeating. So doing the time and I know it's I wish there is an easy here's your rate post it on your site and it's going to be great. It's not how it works. And might you get clients that are like, oh yeah, I want to see your rates. Sure. But then you just have a conversation with them and say, no, actually here's why. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to work with you, then how is that your ideal client that they just want to take rates and base hiring you off of arbitrary rates versus you doing Mm -hmm. your job? to say, here's a rate based on what you actually need. So doing the work, figuring out your rate, figuring out how long it's going to take you. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a little bit of in the beginning. Maybe you, maybe you charge too much because you're like, Oh, it didn't take as much time as I thought. Or maybe you charge too little because you realize, Oh, I underestimated the amount of time that actually goes into this. But over time, Mm -hmm. it'll get a lot easier. Yeah. And just very quickly to, to piggyback on that, most clients will start out by asking what your rates are. Mm-hmm. The vast mm-hmm. majority. And why will they do that? They don't because know. they don't know what else to mm-hmm. ask. Clients are not professional clients. They are client they are professional whatever field they are. They are not professional clients. They don't know how to work with a copywriter. They don't know what to ask. So the first thing they're going to ask is how much it costs. And that, that, but that shouldn't throw you. It shouldn't mean that you need to answer that question right away. Mm-hmm. Instead, what you should be saying is, you know, that's a great question. I'll be happy to go through that with you. But in order to make sure that I can give you the best, uh, the best estimate, the the best quote, I need to know more about this project. So let's sit down and chat. You know, it won't take too much time, but I have some some questions and really dig in and make sure that you have an understanding of the project, so that when you give them a price. That it's a price that is reasonable for you and a price that is that makes sense for their specific project. Yeah. And I think this goes back to we talk a lot about, you know, um, not doing things that are for you and, and selfish based. And I think throwing out rates for you can feel like, oh, this saves me time. This is going to save me time versus going down the road with this client and then they don't hire me and then I've just wasted however much time that's part of your job. And so if they do hire you and you've had a great hour long conversation, factor that into your rate. That's not just free time, factor that in. But inevitably, yes, you're going to have some conversations that don't go anywhere. 
And that's okay. Maybe they come back later. Maybe they talk to other copywriters and realize that that's BS and you were basing it on something that was grounded in reality and come back and work mm-hmm. with you. That happened. I know it's happened to you. It's happened to me. It's like, oh yeah, actually your rate seems, yeah, did it seem high or did it seem whatever, but we, we're, we're going to work with you because, oh wait, you actually did the work and gave us a, mm-hmm. a real quote. Uh, so do the work because it's part of our jobs. And anytime that instinct comes to save yourself time, think, okay, is it saving me time? And is it helping my client? And if the answer is not yes to both, and it's just saving you time and not benefiting your client, consider Mm -hmm. rethinking your strategy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the project benefiting the project as well, because sometimes things, things can seem fast and easy for you might even seem initially fast and easy for your client. Um, Although often it's not things that we think are going to be fast and easy for our client or not. Um, But if in the end, it also does not benefit the project, if it's going to mean that the project is just more complicated going forward, then you're not doing anybody any favors anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. So to regroup, prices on the website, no, no. Um, And we would encourage you if you're still like, well, I just don't know. I just kind of feel like, like, look, this is your business. Yeah, you can. Absolutely can. You can put it on your website if you want to. Um, But I hope we've made it very clear exactly why we have such a a firm stance about our our feelings on that. Um, Make sure that you are being the best service provider you can be and uh, as as professional and as as much of a, a partner, a true partner for your clients as you possibly can be. So that's it for another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. We hope it was very helpful uh, and we'll catch you back for the next one. Bye everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute or two to leave us a five-star review. I read each one and they mean the world to me and our team. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to keep learning, follow us at Filthy Rich Writer across social media and on the site. And of course, if your interest is piqued and you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at www.freecopywritingtraining.com. Talk to you next time.